for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Do you feel it? It's that time, y'all. Next year's elk hunting plan just became this year's elk hunting plan. Happy New Year, y'all. It's time to start rocking and rolling. Last week, we talked about knowing and understanding your elk hunting profile. So important when it comes to managing expectations. Now it's time for part two. Today's topic, matching your profile to the type of hunts that are available things to look for, and even some things to look out for. That along with our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Happy New Year, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year, buddy. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you tied me on that one, man. Pinch yeah. poke. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Happy no New doubt. Year, bro, man. It's uh, Just think, bro. We started this back in February. Think about that. I know. You know? No uh, doubt. Ten months. Yeah, man, and in two more months, because it was about, it was the end of February, so it was right. pretty close to March 1st when we got got all this going and stuff, and so just about three more months, we're going to be rocking in our first year, man, so yep. uh, 
Yeah, that's it's been a great 2019, Joe. I'm telling you, we've been blessed. Yeah, and you know, and that's funny because uh, uh, Chav, Happy New Year, bro. And, Happy New Year, uh, Chav. This one's for you, man. And you know, a lot of people. Uh, there's been some things that have happened here in the end of 2019 for us that made a tough year, and uh, but at the same time, you know, life throws all kinds of things at you, and that's one thing you know we always talk about you and I and you and the guys and stuff. And, you know, there's things that come at you and things that are not in our control. The only thing that we can control is our effort and our attitude. Right. No and and I, I tell you, uh, as bad as that was, you know what, bro? Um, my brother Chav is still up. He's kicking. No uh, he got and through. His, he's alive. He's, uh, he's, he's fighting. He's, he's, putting his attitude and effort at it um every day again you know it's it's these tiny little improvements that he's making uh he had his got through his second chemo without getting an infection and he got a blood test today his blood levels are are going back up bouncing back up where they should and you know that's just every time i hear that man my chest just swells up so y'all that are sending all those well wishes and stuff uh you helped us uh you know, take out 2019 positive and, and we're going into 2020 and we're going in it and we're going after it. So I'm pretty excited about the new year, man. No doubt, man. And for those of you that's been, uh, you know, following our show, you know, we had a good friend of ours, Chad Williams, who got hurt. He's on a, made a full recovery. And I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but my stepfather had open heart surgery a few weeks back. A beast. Yeah, he is a freaking beast, dude. He is. My son took him for his physical therapy today, and uh, he loves hanging out with his pawpaw, and pawpaw loves having Logan around. But I'm telling you, uh, he is up walking two miles a day, and he's driving his golf cart to the – to the golf course and having lunch at the club and they just cleared him to drive today. He's so far ahead of schedule, Joe. He's such a warrior, big man of faith, uh, and just, you know, uh, the backbone of our family. And, you know, he's raised me since I was about seven years old. Uh, so, you know, kudos to him, uh, praise the Lord. And thank you so much for all the people that have been out there praying for him and, and uh, all the well wishes and everything else. We, we're very blessed. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, uh, the holidays for some people are a real difficult time, Gilbert. And, uh, you know, there's some people that, that struggle, you know, a, a lot of our, a lot of our vets, uh, other people are having rough times in their life. And, and, uh, you know, I, I was just reading uh, a guy's thing today, you know, where he lost a good friend of his that, that was struggling and, and, he lost the battle, man. And, uh, and all, all I want to tell everybody out there is, is no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard, if you're needing help, just look around, you reach out, reach out, uh, man, uh, send us an email. If you want to reach out to us, you can find me Joe at elkbros.com. There's Gilbert at elkbros.com. Send a letter to Chav at elkbros.com. Just reach out because there are people that love you and people that are here to help you through some of those difficult times. So, uh, I, I know that, uh, it's reality that things get rough for some of us, but it's also reality that 
we're here for you, man. So I just want to yeah, put no, that new year message out there, Gilbert. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I, I can't tell you how many people who've texted me, our listeners who've texted me personally or hit me, you know, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and, you know, well wishes and stuff like that. We sure no, appreciate no that. Yep. Emails from, from our listeners. I mean, it's so, so important for us to have that, that vibe with one another. And we thank y'all very much for that. You betcha. Hey, Gilbert, you know what time it is? It is the Elk Bros Show. Shout out, shout out, shout out. <laughs> if you're new to our show, these are the shout outs to just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yes, sir. And oh, before I get to that top one, I always go through and look at these cities because it just blows my mind. All these names, there's so many cool names, so many cool cities out there right? all over the U.S., bro. And, and as I'm reading down there, because... What, I told you we've got listeners in over three thousand cities. I think we're bumping that four thousand mark. And, Joe. and uh, man, I I I read this and I was going down and I had to stop and go back. It said FPO comma Armed Forces Europe comma Middle East, and I was like, what? And so I had to pop that in. Well, FPO is the Fleet Post Office. This is a military address. Um, So basically, we have listener out there listening from someplace where they're stationed uh, overseas, and Uh it got it got marked down that way as the as the FPO. So, uh, man, I just want that. That means we have one of our guys out there, one of our gals out there that's serving, and uh, uh, just want to tell you. Whoever it is out there that that's listening to this show, and all of our military brothers and sisters out there, as a matter of fact, man, I want to throw in all of our emergency services, all those people that, man, that have helped uh, so many people. I mean, you are so critical that uh, I just want to say a, a huge, huge thank you, and may you guys have a blessed incredible new year amen a big salute to all our men and women in the blue and in the armed forces as well you betcha all right so and now let's go to our uh, our first city man get this incorporated in 2001 it's one of colorado's newest cities and ranked as the 15th safest city in the entire united states yes sir some say you might be a local here if you either worked at chick-fil-a Old Navy, if you were a lifeguard, or if you still refer to the local grocery store as King Supers, <laughs> while the rest of the world, the outside world there, outside of Colorado, knows it as Kroger's. <laughs> so, <laughs> a big Elk Bro shout out to Centennial, Colorado. Yeah. Centennial, Colorado. What part of the state's that in, Joe? So, if if you if you're going, uh, if you're on I twenty five. Uh, heading north out of mm-hmm. Springs, mm-hmm. and uh, you're heading into Denver. As mm-hmm. soon as after you get over the top of the hill, getting ready to drop in to Denver there, it's what you call kind of the tech area, and that centennial area is right there on the front end off to the right. Okay. It's, uh, right. it's just a beautiful, beautiful area there before you get in, actually okay. get into Denver. Denver proper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Next city up, Joe. I've stood on the four corners of states before, but Joe, I've never lived in a city that I could be in three different states without ever leaving the city limits. Even though our top listeners this week are from Iowa, you can be in Nebraska and even South Dakota just by driving a few miles in this city. 
Sioux City, Iowa. Sioux City. I was there. In the house. Yes, yeah, sir. You were. Yeah, you sure I was there. Were. And it's no unbelievable. Doubt. You got the river running through. Yes, you sir. can go across. You're in, you're in another state. You head yep. up north. You're in another state. It's, uh, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, when I fished the BASS Open up there in uh, Yankton, South Dakota, we drove through Sioux City. And, yeah, I mean, they, there was a sign about that there that you could be in those three – I mean, you had Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota right there in the city limits. I just bet, man, it, it makes some people's income taxes a little complicated over I guess there. it could, you know, especially <laughs> if you got to pay out all three states. Yeah, Might as well right. Just work for free. <laughs> All right, Gilbert, up next, you thought California had a lot of earthquakes. Well, my friend, this city has over 300 earthquakes a day. Now, Ooh. you don't feel them all, and the reason for so many earthquakes is actually releasing a lot of pressure in this area to ensure that they don't get the big one, right? Right. And how cool is this? At, at 14 years of age in this city, you can't drive a car, but you can legally fly an airplane. Right. <laughs> Only one city I know of like that, Joe. <laughs> Anchorage, Alaska. Alaska in the house. That's too cool to have that big state in the house for sure. Oh, man. And you guys listening up there. Um, so you've heard Joe Gillia's never left New Mexico to hunt elk before. And it has always been on my dream, my bucket list to go up there with my bow and to, to hunt a moose up there. So Me too, Joe. Yeah, bro, we just got to make this happen, man. I'm I, getting too old it. too quick. <laughs> me, me and you both. I got some boys that want to go too, Joe. So uh, my buddy Travis Carter, he was hitting me up about it the other day. He's got some real good connections up there. So Well, we, you know, we're going to have to like quit talking and start doing the walking. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. No doubt. <laughs> Joe, the next city, the Mayberry of Galatian County, bordered by the Horseshoe Hills to the north and the Bridger Range to the east. To the south lies the Spanish Peaks Wilderness within a population of only 1,300, where everyone knows everyone. This town easily retains its Old West charm. But if you're looking for a blue ribbon trout fishing, this could be just the spot for you. Manhattan, Montana. Manhattan, Montana. And guys there uh, in Manhattan, we're not sure yeah, if that's Gallatin or what or there. Galatian, so hopefully yeah. we get that right. Um, right. But this is the place. It's funny, man. When you hear Manhattan, you think huge, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not. I mean, it's probably, <laughs> they got about another 400 people more than what we have here in Cimarron, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's where everybody knows your name, man. Look, Joe, I drove through that state working in the oil field, especially the eastern side of it and mm -hmm. then into South Dakota. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, Joe, I drove down the interstate and I didn't see a soul for two hours. <laughs> I had to call my mama because I thought the rapture would come. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, there's nobody on the road and there's no gas stations on the sides of the road either. So, you know, you got to go into towns to get fuel. And uh, I'm telling you, my wife and I were driving and I looked at her and I said, when's the last time you've seen a car? <laughs> she said, I haven't. It's kind of spooky. I said, I'm calling my mama. <laughs> my mama, her and Jesus is like this, right? So I knew if the rapture comes, she wouldn't answer. Hey, mama, boy, leave me alone. I'm watching my soaps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Montana, another destination state 
bud for elk, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh man, no doubt. Yeah. I got a buddy of mine, Tom, he hunts every year up there. It's tough hunting. Yeah. Well, and, and there's another little element up in there called grizzly bears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I ain't lost nothing up there, man. To have to mess with them grizzly bears. <laughs> you know, I, I, bears just need to stay by themselves. You know, I don't want oh, no part on, of them boy. big wolves and them big grizzly bears. Oh, come on, Gilbert. They know the black raccoons. bears are like big raccoons. <laughs> a grizzly bear is like a lion that stands up on its hind feet. I mean, when I they want to no... eat, they eat. That's right. Yeah, but you know, you're you could be in the way. Oh, <laughs> I don't want. If I'm gonna hunt me a grizzly bear, Joe, it's gonna be from about six fifty with a three hundred ultra mag. Uh huh. And well, then it, it, I it's can, a fact, got plenty man. of time to get away. When, when you're around them, you are not the top of the food chain. So nope, <laughs> they are the apex predator. <laughs> Last up, incorporated by the state of Tennessee in 1869, when Nashville, the Nashville and Northwestern Railroad, completed its track and intersected with the Memphis and Ohio Railroad. Yeah, it sounds like a monopoly game, right? The town's name, originally a railroad stop, derived from the family that previously owned the land where the railroads crossed. As a matter of fact, part of the deal was not only did they give the name to the to the station to the depot there but they also had to give one of the family members a job there at the depot so that's how mckenzie tennessee was born mckenzie tennessee in the house yes sir our brothers to the east there you are <laughs> beautiful city i'll be in chattanooga here in june yeah i've i've been through tennessee driving back home to the carolinas mm -hmm. um Beautiful, beautiful country. Love yeah. Nashville, one of my favorite towns in all of the country. Got like yeah. great music, great, great food, great barbecue. I mean, really cool towns. Right. Smoky so, Mountains, beautiful. So, Gilbert, last week we had talked to these fellows about uh, um, their profiles, right? Yeah, you know, Joe, we talked last week on it's important uh, knowing your elk hunting profile. Right. You know, and, and, when trying to match yourself to the type of elk hunt that best fits you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the whole idea is for to help guys out there to help them have the best hunt that works for them, to, that is along their expectations. And I think one of the things we said is a two-step process. Number one is understanding your elk hunting profile. Each and every one of us have that elk hunting profiles but up next now we want to talk about the different type of hunts available and then help all y'all out there try to match up your particular profile right? right so we want to bring up some important points from last week though that we did just a, a few important points are number one each person's expectation of what a great elk hunt consists of will be different from hunter to hunter. It's all relative. I mean, we yeah. all have, you, we talked about your profile, Gilbert. Sure. I have a different elk hunting profile. You know, what I like to do, how I like to hunt, where I want to go, who I want to hunt with, and how hard I want to hunt, right? Yeah. And some people, that does not work for them, man. That That's uh, not their profile. Uh, so what we were telling you guys out there is that each one of you need to ask yourself, what is it going to take to meet my expectations for a great elk hunt? And then you've got to 
even though you've never even, some of you have never been on one, we talked about the fact you still have a perception from everything you've seen, everything you've heard people talk about, the videos you see. And trust me, y'all, when you watch them videos, you are seeing a highlight reel. Okay? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when they watch our videos coming up, they're going to see a highlight reel. It's a highlight reel. Some low light reels, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so you got you got to you got to work on those expectations because guys this is hunting and also you know we're going to talk about the different kinds of hunts whether it's a hunt where you purchase a license or you pay for a guided experience or or you go out with an outfitter understand something what you are paying for is an opportunity you are not paying for an animal you know i think that's crucial for men and women to understand is Mm -hmm. you're buying an opportunity to hunt an animal. You're not buying the animal. Uh, Too many guys get hung up on purchasing an animal. I mean, it's, it's just not, not so it's called hunting and not killing or harvesting. Right. Right. Uh, At the end of the day, you're paying for the full experience, but you need to, you need to have manage those expectations for it to be a successful hunt. That's right. And, and so what we're going to do now is we're going to, with that stuff in mind, uh, and what we talked about last week, we talked about your considerations when you develop your profile, your weapon of choice, whether you're a newbie, whether you're experienced or a veteran hunter, your elk knowledge and skill sets, um, whether you're after any elk, you're after uh, a, a bull elk or a trophy bull, any bull, uh, what kind of condition you're in. You know, that, that's an important thing. Whether you have physical limitations, uh, are you the do-it-yourselfer that, that uh, you know, or do you need help? Do you want help or you want to watch? I mean, remember, one thing that we said about your elk hunting profile, y'all, is that we're not here to judge you and your profile. It is what it is. That's right. Your, your profile is what you decide it is, okay, um, because – it's about you having the best experience. Now, does that mean that your profile is not going to change over the next few years or you can't go a little outside the box or outside your comfort zone or do something a little bit different? Heck no. I mean, that's what life's about is experiencing things. So, uh, but it helps when you kind of know what your profile is and you can kind of manage your expectations and try to select the best type of hunt that fits you. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So the first thing I I, want to do before we even talk about just the different types of hunts, Gilbert, is I want to make sure that people understand because we have guys that uh, will purchase a landowner tag, and we're going to talk about landowner tags, and they purchase that for a certain amount, and they're heading over here to hunt. And, and you tell them, well, you got to stop and get your license. It's like, well, but I got my tag. So there is a difference, y'all. So, uh, Usually tags or vouchers is some states what they call that is actually um, it's, it's your, it's just that it's, it's your tag. It's your voucher to be able to uh, hunt on a certain section, certain area of property to hunt uh, an elk. Okay. And in these states, what they do is they separate that tag out as your Basically, your license, it's not the elk hunting license, but it's your license or your permit to be on somebody's property or in a certain elk hunting zone, okay, or a unit. 
then you have to purchase the hunting license that goes with that. Now, if you're in a draw system, like let's take New Mexico, for example, and you put in for the draw, and what's going to happen in New Mexico when you put in for the draw, they're automatically going to, if you draw a, a tag, they're automatically going to charge you for your hunting license as well. So you're going to get your tags and your hunting license. That's where guys get confused because if they come to this state and they go with an outfitter that has outfitter tags or property tags or landowner tags, if they come in and they, they buy a hunt, they still have to purchase their elk hunting license. So that's in right. New Mexico, that's going to be almost, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's right around $600, right? $548. Yeah. Unless you got to have your, uh, habitat and, uh, there's a habitat stamp that you got to buy and another, and there's another, you got to have a general, hunting, a general license. hunting license. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact, you have to have the general hunting license just to apply here in New Mexico. That's right. And yeah. that's a non-refundable deal on that that's as right. well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but so I, that's one thing that gets confusing because it happens automatically in the draw and it doesn't, if you go hunt, on somebody's property. Okay. Right. So understand, and this happens in other states as well, where you're going to, you can get a landowner permit. Okay. Um, or you're going to pay for your elk license, which is going to get you a carcass tag. And you got to buy other licenses along with that. So you really need to understand what state you're going to and what those requirements are. Make sure that you check on, especially if you're going with an outfitter, right? Okay. If, if you're going on a landowner permit or voucher type system, you definitely need to check into that. Yeah. And, okay? and they should be able to walk you through that. If they can't, don't hunt with them. Yeah. But you would be surprised. I, I mean, I, I got on one of the, the, the top uh, ranches in New Mexico, bud. And when guys buy a hunt, a lot of times they go, well, I'm just going hunting in New Mexico. And they start heading that way. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> no, I mean, they get all the paperwork. Yeah. They get all the paperwork, but sometimes they don't read all the paperwork. Uh, I'll follow you. You yep. follow me? Yep, okay. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, and there are different ways to get a tag or a hunting license in the different states. Okay. Um, you have, and you guys have heard OTC, that's over the counter. So you can just go in <laughs> and you can purchase an elk hunting license in some states. You're not able to do that in New Mexico. You can do that in Colorado. Colorado yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do that in Utah. You can mm -hmm. do that in Idaho. And I believe possibly in Oregon and Washington, too, mm -hmm. that they have certain OTC tags there. All right. You're not able to do OTC in Wyoming or Montana. Okay. Um, you're not able to do that in those states. Or, or like I said, uh, and I don't think, I don't believe so in Nevada either, man. Okay. Arizona either. No, you know, uh, I did some reading on that, and there are a couple of tags that they can that they will sell like that, but it's only for um, it's only for certain areas that oh. they don't want elk to be. I'll so it's you. like a special type of thing. Yeah. All right, uh, all right. So um, you can do the OTC, or you can go into a state's draw or lottery. Uh, you're going to go in, you're going to pay a certain amount for an application fee. You're going to apply. Sometimes there's uh, more fees that go along with that. 
when you do that application. Some and most are not refundable, but you're putting yourself in a draw in a lottery system. In some systems, they have what they call point systems. Uh, if you don't draw in a year, you get so many points, or you can even purchase points. And, and what the points do is as you gather those points up, it puts you up in the selection process. Here in New Mexico, we do no points. It is a straight lottery system. Everybody has the opportunity to draw. Okay, so you can get a tag to OTC, you can do it through the draw, and one thing that a lot of times is not talked about are landowner tags, if you don't draw. Um, landowner tags are tags that are done different ways in different states. I can tell you here in New Mexico, what happens is, is landowners, uh, by the amount of land and the amount of elk possible that they have, are given... Uh, they can apply for this to be given tags for their property that's going to go along with how much property and how many animals they can have on that so that they can harvest them in the year. Their tags are transferable. In other words, they can sell those tags. It's, right. it's, it's basically now, it used to be a physical type tag system. Now they're going to give you a code. They're mm -hmm. going to give you a, a voucher code to, that you can put in for their ranch to be able to do that. Um, so landowner tags can be used by an outfitter on a large ranch. They can be uh, used by a, a ranch that just uh, is going to have people charge them to come hunt on their place. They can be sold by small landowners uh, to the highest bidder, you know, right. and, and it's not always a, it's not a bid process. A lot of times, depending on, you know, where they're located, how much they're involved in this, there's all different price levels for getting a landowner tag here in New Mexico. And the way that that works is that there's two types of landowner tags. There's ranch only and there's unit wide, mm -hmm. right? So whenever a ranch has, if they apply for unit wide tags, that means that anybody that has that, uh, that tag can hunt in that entire hunt unit and on that private property as well. Sure. So uh, there are also landowner tags in different states uh, as well. And some of them are transferable and some are not transferable. And I know in Wyoming and Montana, they are not transferable from what I understand. Uh, they're for family members and, and, uh, and, mm. and people there. In Colorado, they're a lot like New Mexico, they can sell those, those, uh, those tags yeah. and they can hunt in that unit. So the, do your research on that because those are the different ways that you can get that license. Now, let's talk about matching yourself up with the different type of hunts. Once you have one of those tags, or if you didn't draw, then you might go through a type of system where uh, you get a landowner tag or a ranch, ranch tag or something like that. So um, the first type of hunts that we want to talk about, Gilbert, DIY. Sure. Do it yourself. Right? Mm -hmm. Do it yourself. And basically, uh, when we're talking DIY hunts, we're talking wilderness, we're talking forest, we're talking state land. Okay. Or even a landowner tag. Sure. Because some of those guys, they don't want to guide you. Mm -hmm. They don't want to, they're not outfitters. They're just going to sell you a tag. You buy a license. Bam. You're hunting. Okay. You can hunt on their land. You yep. can hunt on their land or you can hunt on a the unit. unit. Yep. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but who does this fit? So if you're talking about, 
And, and we talked about the profile. Man, if you're the DIY guy, um, how great of a shape do you have to be in? Well, you know, it, that depends on what you're going to do and how you're going to go about it. Uh, but take a look at that profile. If you're DIY, um, newbie, experienced, or veteran hunter, well, I got news for you. It fits all three of them, y'all. Uh, it, it's just that it's about your learning curve. You know, yeah. you can be a DIY hunter and you can listen to podcasts like this. You can watch videos, you can do different things, and you can really flatten that learning curve and learn something so that, you know, you're not having to do the hard knocks of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yep. Gilbert, how, how much, how long has it taken you to learn what you've learned so far? 10 years. Yeah. I think it's be 11 now too, won't it? This will be the 11th season. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got 10 years under my belt elk hunting. I started elk hunting, uh, September, um, six through the 12th. I actually had a birthday on the mountain with Carl Gamage. He made me a, his famous dump cake. I'll never forget it. One of the best cakes I've ever had. Um, and I was at elk camp when on my 40th birthday and, uh, I turned 50, uh, September the 12th this year. So it's 10 seasons. And you were a newbie when you came in. Newbie elk and, hunter. A newbie uh, elk been, hunter, not a newbie been, hunter. Yeah, right. been hunting everything that crawled, right. walked, flies uh, with my bow uh, for a long time. But newbie elk hunter, and, and it's, <laughs> it's different, I'm going to tell you. Uh, you know, I came into camp with a lot of swag, could shoot a bow like nobody's business, but I ain't ever shot at an elk, and it's just different. Yeah, and I mean that that whole experience the hunt is so intense and physical and mentally intense, right? Well, guys, remember you're hunting horses with horns, man. So Clydesdale uh, horses with horns. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you know, I don't care it really unless it's rifle season. If you're an archery hunter, if you're an archery hunter, guys, um, your profile had better be something, not so much on the experience side, not so much on the skill set side, but you had better really determine whether you want, especially if you're new out there, any elk, any bull, or a trophy, okay? Yeah. And it's so important as to what kind of condition you're in. Now, does that mean you have to be in the greatest condition to go out and kill an elk? No, no you don't, right? Anything like your experience level, your confidence level, your, uh, your, your shooting ability, uh, your physical conditioning, all of that is something that helps you towards being more successful. And, and I got, you can be the most fit, best shooter, best caller, best everything, yeah. and not kill an elk. Exactly. And yeah, so uh, it's just it does increase that opportunity. But that profile of yours you know, most guys that are going to do a DIY are the guys that want to go out. They want to be physical. Uh, they want to have an experience out in the woods. They, they either want to, you know, uh, be in a tent. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that do campers. They mm -hmm. truck, they truck camp. Even some guys that hunt in hotels that do that DIY. I mean, they'll mm -hmm. go up, they'll stay in a hotel in the middle of the day and go out early in the morning and up night, depending on how close they are. But generally, DIY guys are guys, you're going to be gutting that animal. You're going to be packing that animal out. You're going to be on your feet getting after it. So 
you know, your profile is somebody that has that type of hunger to be out there to do it in that particular way. And you're going to have to be ready for some physical challenges. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, you just depending on where you're hunting, but if you're going to be in New Mexico, Colorado, buddy, you better have, <clears throat> you better have you some oxygen with you because most of that country is, you know, it's not very forgiving. Um, and then the mental stress that comes along with, with elk hunting, um, it's just different. I, I tell guys all the time, man, don't discount it. I, I did. And it was the wrong thing for me to do. And I said all along, my profile was not to kill a bull. It was to kill the bull. Well, right. You know, stubborn is as stubborn does. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I did what I wanted to do. Right. And I was okay with that, but I wished I would have changed that profile. Right. Um, and it would have, it would have probably made things somewhat easier for me, but I ain't never been the one to take the easy road, Joe. Well, and, and my profile was that, uh, when I first started out that, uh, I wasn't, I am always have been an archery hunter. Uh, I was going to do it with the least gear possible when I first started, because I didn't have that. Uh, I was going to be on foot. I was going to be putting miles in. I was going to be sleeping in the back of my truck. I was going to eat bologna sandwiches. I wasn't worrying about comfort so much as as I was the ability to be in elk country and get an opportunity to hunt. That yeah, was my you profile. you were killing elk for food. I, and that was my profile. I was going to take any animal, and I was going to make sure I got one home. You, you know, uh, I, I also had uh, my skill set grew over the years. When I first started doing this, y'all, I didn't even know how to call. My first way of, of hunting elk was was with my nose, man. I'd sniff yeah. them out. I'd hunt into the wind, and, and uh, I'd spot and stalk those boogers. So yeah. uh, put the Mohican sneaking on them, you know. No doubt. Yeah. So, um things to look for or to look out for if you're going to do a DIY. Um, and remember again, guys, uh, a DIY does not mean that you're hiking, uh, all the way into the wilderness all the time, because if you're hunting forest, there's going to be camps there. You can be in a camper, you can be in a tent truck or hotel. Same thing with state land. Uh, generally if you're hunting on somebody's landowner tag, they're going to give you a, a place, on there that you can possibly, you know, camp of, in some way. You but bet. one thing to be, to look out for if you're doing DIY is always check for extra license requirements. You know, do you have to have a small game uh, license? Do you have to have special stamps uh, or permits that are required? And I know in New Mexico, we have a couple of them that, that we have to purchase that end up on our, on our license. Yeah. Are there special regulations, man? Could, we deal with this, don't we, Gilbert, with camping? Yeah. You bet. Yeah, you have to have a, a uh, semi-guided or guided camping permit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you are uh, if you are using a type of landowner tag, okay, make sure you know what type it is and what areas that you can be in. That's and, right. You know, most of it for the DIY guys just says is just that you're responsible for knowing your rules and regs. It's yep. on you. Okay. It's yep. on you. Now, the the next type of camp out there, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, this is one of those things that, in my mind, is kind of that romantic elk hunt, Gilbert, is the yep. drop camp. You, you bet. Know? And 
So what's happening in a drop camp is, is that somebody's taking you and putting you in a place. They're setting you up. Either they're, uh, they're taking you out and they are just dropping you off unguided uh, or they're doing a semi-guided type thing where uh, it's up to you to have your type of gear and stuff, and, and the guide will be out there with you and, and, and will guide you. Or it could be a fully guided drop camp where they're supplying all the tents, they're supplying the chow. I mean, there's all different degrees of that that you guys can have in a drop camp, right? Yeah, you bet. But that needs to be discussed beforehand if, if, ad nauseum. I mean, you need to have that all narrowed down so you know what to be what's to be expected of you to bring and what's to be expected of the outfitter or landowner to provide. Right. And and your mode of getting there. I mean, uh, drop camps could be where they take you up in the wilderness with horses. It could be where they take you in some place with trucks. Uh, yeah. It could be where you hike in. Um, uh, you know, listen to guys out there, you know, the guys born and raised and, and, Ooh, yeah. uh, and Randy, you know, that Randy's using llamas and born and raised using goats and yeah, alpacas <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 There's, there's all, all kinds of things that uh, I get. Yeah, that's right. It was alpacas that he was yeah. using, right? Guys, I just want to, you know, tell y'all, I've had some, some guys tell me some horror stories about an- using animals, horses, especially they're a wild animal. You know, they got minds of their own. You guys, if you've never rode a horse before, probably not your deal, right? Uh, if you're an experienced horseman, it's probably not going to be too much of a problem. But, but horses pose a pose a threat when you're a safety threat and everything else when you're camping up in the wilderness in some rocky conditions and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But to me, because you know, I've done a lot of horseback hunts mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, yeah, they can be a pain in the butt. But at the same time, there's just something about it, man, riding through the mountains on horseback. Oh, there's no doubt. No yeah. doubt. I'm just saying, if you've never rode before, it's an element that you need to think about because sure. that's a lot of work. You're holding your whole body up there. You're going to be so sore, uh, not just from the hiking, but, you know, being on that horse and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and, and look, horses can feel <laughs> your fear. You know, I mean, they really can. They're a different type of animal. And, they can feel that. So if you're uneasy, they're very uneasy. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's something it, you got to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it's something for you guys to think about. But let's, you know, when we take a look at draw cans, unguided, semi-guided, fully guided, what kind of profiles do, do those fit? Well, you know, if if you're, if you have that skill set, if you're confident and you're shooting, if you have uh, elk knowledge, then Calling. you might just need somebody just to get you back in there and drop you and your group in back there. Yeah. And there's, there's all kinds of flavors of that. I mean, uh, and these guys that do fully guided drop camps also will just drop you off. They will just pack you in and then pack you out sure. as well. Um, there's communication so that you let them know what days to be checked on and, and, and there's different things that, um, that come in cost wise that we'll talk about here. But, you know, if you're somebody that wants to hunt alone or with a partner with a group and you want to, you know, experience that back country, uh, then you might have somebody drop you in and put you someplace where you're going to be in elk country and then you're just hunting from there. Right. Yeah. So uh, a semi-guided deal, uh, if you're not confident, you haven't done, uh, you're not confident in finding elk 
or yeah. you haven't um, been able to scout an area and you're not sure. It's huge. Uh, guys that understand the area and what the elk do in certain types of weather patterns and wind patterns and all that, it's uh, invaluable. Uh, it's well worth the money. I can tell you that. Now, one thing you got to think about this is I've had people do this, call me and say, will you guide me, right? And what you have to understand, y'all, is in states, guides, uh, and I don't know about all states. I know about New Mexico. I know about Colorado, that guides cannot go into contract. They cannot charge for their services um, by themselves. They have to go through an outfit. outfit yeah. So if, you know, legally – I am not able to charge somebody just to guide them. They have to go through my outfitter who they pay and then pays me to guide them. So that's something else that you, that you need to understand. Okay. And um, if it's semi-guided, it can be a deal where you're just like, Hey, we want that person for two days, you know, drop campus, you know, show us the area for two days and then we're good to go. Or if you want fully guided, it could be where you're still having your own gear drop and you're paying for a guide through an outfitter, or it could be where they do a complete drop camp all the way to the, you know, having a cook and everything. So there's all different flavors of a drop camp. Yeah. And, you know, depending on what your profile is, if you don't have knowledge on, what gear to take or you don't want to be hauling your own gear or you don't own your own gear, you know, mm -hmm. then, uh, and you want somebody with you at all times, somebody that's going to take you and put you in position, uh, then, you know, fully guided is the way you want to go. But if you're in a drop camp again in your profile, I'm telling you, you're going to be doing a lot of walking on, yeah. on that type of deal. All right. Yeah. Um, unless you're going horseback and again, uh, you need to check your profile as far as that. Comfort, you know, a fully guided tent drop camp is pretty doggone comfortable. It's pretty doggone cool. It's yeah. awesome. It's fun. It's a great experience if you're with a group. You know, it's just, uh, it, it has a lot of pluses, but again, you're going to pay for those pluses. Okay. Sure. Um, things to look for, to look out for. Gilbert, you talked about already the horses. If yep, you're doing no doubt. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, the thing you want to do is when you when you're talking about unguided, semi-guided, fully guided uh, on a drop camp, you really want to go find some references on who you use. Right. Reviews, references, you know, communication, how well they communicate with you, you know, what's included and what's not included, you know, and, and what you need, you know, uh, and some questions to ask are like the number of hunters that are going to be in the area. Oh, definitely. Because if you're getting a drop camp going in, I mean, you might want to know how many other camps are being dropped in that area, right? You bet. You bet. Uh -huh. You know, in the guide's hunting style, I mean, you know, what his specialties are, you know, does he call, uh, you know, is he just a walking, a, a walking uses nose kind of guide or, I mean, is a guy really proficient at calling elk? Um, and, you know, always discuss the costs that are involved with everything. Um, it's so important for you to get all that stuff nailed down. So your expect your hunt meets your expectations, you know, right. otherwise, you know, added things that you didn't discuss, you know, you'll feel, you'll feel odd about, 
there being an extra charge for this and you didn't understand that, right? Or you didn't know that it was going to be two on one, you know, uh, instead of one on one. I mean, it, those are questions that are valid that need to be asked. In your well, opinion. it is, you know, and there's other things too, for example, and sometimes if they have to spend so much time, if they have to bring in extra horses, like if they're yep. packing you in and packing you out, sure. um, you know, some, some drop, uh, guys will give you a flat fee for taking an animal out. Some will say, well, it's this cost up to this many hours after that, it's this much more. Okay. Uh, communication, you know, how are they doing that? Are giving you a sat? Are they giving you an in reach what's happening so that you guys can communicate in case something happens, you need to get an animal off the mountain or you need to get yourself off the mountain. And, you know, I wanted to bring up when you talked about guides, hunting styles and specialties, because this is going to cover not only this, but when we talk about outfitted and guided hunts, um, is that, you know, when you, you went with many different styles when you went in our elk camp, you know, yeah. Awesome too. Got to experience all of them. Yeah. Carl was one style. RC was a style and I was a style. Right. And Kent was a style. And Kent mm-hmm. was a style, right. And you know what? Some of those guys don't bring to the table in one way. They may bring to the table in the other way. Uh, <laughs> None of them you want to sit in a blind with, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> they all bring something nobody else wants. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> But Does you know, Jake break come into play. I mean, anyway. Go ahead. You know, RC wasn't like I, I'm a very aggressive caller. I'm calling all the time. I'm doing different yeah. things like that. That wasn't RC style. You know, he could call but, though, and he was very good at it. Right. Yeah. But he wasn't aggressive the way I was. Nope. So some guys would go with me and then they'll go with RC. And like, well, why aren't you calling all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, understand that, uh, you know, when you have a guide, they have what works for them. And um, this is your hunt. And yeah, you can communicate, but ask, you know, uh, you know, in a way that you're, you're not putting expectations on them because, uh, you know, uh, don't be a butthole. In other words, I guess is what, what I want to tell you. Be no careful doubt. about doing that. You no know? Um, yeah. And when your God's giving you two opportunities and you've blown both of them, don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just be, enjoy the hunt. That's right. You, right. Yeah. It, they fulfilled their end of the bargain. I assure you, especially on a do it yourself type of deal. Uh, they've fulfilled their end when they bring you that opportunity and you know, that b- bug bites you in the butt and it don't go your way. If you get another opportunity to rock and roll, man, cherish those opportunities. Cause that's their job. And he's fulfilled his bar- end of the bargain. Right. Now, guys, if if your profile is that you definitely want to be someplace where you can look up uh, the reviews and the references and you're looking for something that has got um, – uh, has, you know, great amenities or good sleeping conditions or great sleeping conditions or extravagant sleeping conditions. You might look at a ranch or outfitted guided hunt. And right. I mean, but understand too, even those can be just because it's a ranch hunt or outfitted or guided hunt doesn't mean it couldn't be in a tent. Uh, that's that, right. That's, that's right. yeah, but it's going to be in a, in a tent that 
is going to be set up where most likely you got cots, you guys have wood yeah. stove. And I mean, it's, it's a really cool experience. You might be in a hunt shack. I've, uh, there's some guys that are doing that now, just putting those hunt shacks up. They got a little heater and got a bed in it and, and somebody comes and guides you, or it could be a house, um, uh, uh, a bunk house, a hotel, or a lodge. And all of that is going to depend on, you know, again, the type of cost, because, you know, it's just like those restaurants <laughs> when you see that, that single dollar sign and yeah. you see that $2 sign three and as, as it goes up, that's what starts to happen there um, with some of those. And, uh, but again, even if you're going to do those type of hunts, it's important for you to know your profile because right. I, I, on the ranch that I guide on, we hunt, we guide all different kinds of hunters. We got, I get generally guys that want to be on their feet. They want to be out there. They want to, they want to be doing the ridges. They want to mm -hmm. be busting the hills. You know, that's the kind of experience that they want. Uh, we've got some guys that uh, aren't in that kind of shape, or we might have uh, people that, uh, we have a lot of uh, disability hunts that we do, the people that have to deal with that. And so we have to, as professional guides, we have to mm -hmm. change and adapt to their styles. I mean, you do that, Gilbert, on yeah. when you guide people, yeah. right? Have to every day. I was guiding this past weekend, and I had a young lady come sit in the blind with me, and very, you know, accomplished hunter, mm -hmm. very smart, knew whitetails, could judge them. Uh, and she said, Hey, I'm, I'm really kind of, I, I know we can see a long way on these Senderos, but, um, you know, what do you think? How far am I going to be able to shoot? I said, hon, I'm going to ask you a question. How comfortable are you shooting out to 200 yards? She said, I'd like to keep it to 150 and in. That's where I'm really comfortable. I said, not a problem, hon. We'll keep it 150 and in. So, you know, we put, we corned the senderos and stuff like that. I corned up to 150 and brought it back and I knew exactly where that animal was going to be for. So you really got to understand what your hunter's comfortable with. Right. Uh, but man, she was going to let me know, you know, yeah. she was going to tell me exactly what was going on. So it made for an enjoyable hunt. And guys, your hunting style and and what you want what you're expecting is is critical you you heard when i talked about the hunter joe that we started all this from is that um you know and and to his credit you know we had a conversation after our last show and he said joe this is exactly the profile i gave them but i was told we were going to hunt on 10,000 acres i was told that there was going to be no <laughs> other hunters i was told be ready to hunt all day long and buddy you better bring a small oxygen tank cuz you're probably going to need it and mm -hmm. he said the truth actually was we were on 2500 acres there were other hunters on the property we did not hunt it all day we hunted in the morning all from a truck and uh there was never a need for an oxygen tank because hmm. uh man I, I unless you have to you know suck in oxygen while you're sitting on your butt he didn't need that so he you know basically um, you don't always get the complete truth. So you need to yeah. ask questions, you need to look at those reviews uh, just because you give them your profile. Um, it, it's going to help you. But I, I tell you what, man, if I'm going to hunt someplace, uh, the last thing I want to be doing is, is, is for my profile, I'm not wanting to be on my butt in a truck for six hours, mm -hmm. you know? So that's things now my, uh, 
a friend of mine, I got a friend of mine, he don't mind that at all. That's what he wants to do. And he wants yeah. to spot one, then wants to go after it. So, sure. you know, uh, generally your profile is going to kind of determine how long you're in a mode of travel uh, as well. So that's something for you guys to think about as well. Um, Things to look for and to look out for. Gilbert mentioned it before. If you're going to go, man, any ranch or big outfitter um, is definitely going to have references and reviews. Ask them for their last list of clients. Don't ask them, you know, for, you know, people that say, ask for their last list and and check them out you know um uh you you already mentioned a lot of that but a big one too is is check the amount of acreage and that doesn't mean it's a determining factor all the time it just you have to understand something like for example i guided on a place gilbert uh back in october 2500 acres Mm -hmm. right so every hunter that that comes on there has to understand it has to be in their expectations that either elk are on the place or they're not. No doubt. Right. So, I mean, we killed a, a 340 bull on there. Wow. We had, that's we, awesome. Joe. We had snow came in, pushed them down off the hills and, and we ended up getting a 340 bull, but it was Bingo. only 2,500 acres. Right. Now what that means is, is that, you know, elk cover an incredible amount of country. You bet. Right. You bet. So now I've got you and I both have a personal friend that that uh, guides and outfits on three thousand acres south of you down there, mm-hmm. and they had a tremendous season this year, right? I mean, tagged out. But there has to be a draw. I mean, they no got to have good water. No they got to have good food, no good feed. Yep. You know that type of stuff. And and yep. if they have that, you know, that's like this area of twenty five hundred acres. I mean, it's got sure. the creek coming through it. It's all bottom land, so uh, it, it can be a good hunt or it can be no hunt at all. So that's something that you need to know. What are, how many other hunters are going to be in your area? You know, yep. uh, because if you're on 2,500 acres and you've got another two groups of hunters on there, that's going to be a difficult situation. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important too, to know if it's one-on-one or two-on-one, Joe. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And you know, me, I really like guiding two-on-one. I do too. Uh, I think it's the best way to do it personally. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it, and uh, um, but there's got to be decisions made. Who's gonna, you know, who's gonna be the first shooter? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there 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 has to be a lot of conversation. So guys, pretty easy for us. If the bull goes left, you take him. Bull goes right, you take him. Of course, when you're hunting with Joe, uh, you never know which way the bull's gonna go. <laughs> just happens <laughs> and i you know if you're somebody that you have physical limitations yeah um and you don't have experience and you, you know you need somebody to help you along to put you in a position to be successful then you definitely need to look at uh, a ranch uh outfitted hunt or a, a drop type camp with uh with with an outfitter or guide at that time so um decide you've you've seen the different kind of hunts they are there's all different flavors of them i mean i I couldn't just give you every example of that but let you know ask yourself what you're looking for and what your um budget is to do that what your profile is that fits and ask questions ask 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 if you do not ask the questions 
remember it's your hunt it's your it's your money whether it's diy whether it's a drop whether it's guided you're putting money into that if you have any questions ask them you know yeah and, and to our listeners if you have questions and you don't know or you're looking for something send me an email send me an email at gilbert at elkbros.com be glad to help you out doing anything that i could help you knowing uh, what I know about outfitters and stuff like that. So be glad to help you. I know a bunch of them and have been very fortunate in the last 10 years to be able to hunt with some fantastic ones and some not so fantastic ones. uh, (laughs) I can, uh, I can lead you in the right direction anyway. Yeah. And I know yeah. Joe can too. I mean, and, and you, send you guys, your questions in. We'll put them on the air, man, and we'll answer no them doubt. on the air because your questions are most likely a question somebody else has, and we'd love to answer that. All right. Yeah. So you, you'd be helping other people out. And so there'll Gilbert, come a time in the not so near future that Joe and I'll have something to do with, uh, <laughs> with uh, helping you out finding where you want to go. Yeah, that uh, that's a big goal right now. No All right, so um, Elk Bros Mailbox. Guys, don't forget to send uh, your questions, ask questions. Please subscribe. Please do that, man. Show us some love, guys. Uh, yeah. We got a review just the other day um, uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts. It was, it was so awesome. But let me tell you what I saw that was cool, Gilbert, was I think we have something like 107 ratings, right? And yeah. remember, uh, all – but one of those 107 are five star. Right. And I think we have a, I don't know. I think we have like a, a two star or three star I in there. Right? Getting some right. ones and twos. Cause when they come hating, you know, you're doing it right, Joe. <laughs> well, but here's the cool thing, man. We had two people that had actually rated us below a five star. Uh-huh. somebody went back and changed there. So we must be doing something right. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it was probably my sister. <laughs> She's dogging on me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody went in and said, Oh, okay. I, I guess these guys are all right, man. So mm-hmm. they, they moved it from, uh, uh, maybe they heard one of the Ornelas unleashed ones, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> all right. So guys do that. Subscribe, rate and review us. Now Please. we're going to go to our mailbox. And, and we mentioned this last week, Gilbert, Troy Parcell had a question, uh, and I need to do a video over this, and, and I'm going to. Uh, he said, everyone talks about finding the feed, and you find the cows, and therefore you find the bulls. And he's talking about archery season, right? right? I'm sitting in front of my computer 2,000 miles away from a mountain and have no idea what the name of the feed is and what it looks like or where and when to find it, okay? Mm-hmm. So... He wants to know how he determines that. And uh, I'm going to give you some hints here, Troy. When you're uh, 2,000 miles away and you're looking at Onyx or you're looking at Google Maps and you're zoomed all the way in, here's the thing I want you to remember. Areas of open canopy or transition areas of broken canopy, trees that let light through, okay, between north areas and bottom grasses, those are great areas. Any place that you have open canopy and bottoms where the sun can get and create grass, or you have broken canopy, either from a fire, from a burn, from logging, um, natural. Burn burn areas are so important. Oh, incredible. When you see that, then 
any areas that are letting light through like that are creating feed for elk because yeah. they're letting the grasses be elk are going to eat on grasses sedges and rushes yeah. man yeah they're grazers yeah and first. now first. first right yeah right now they are going to eat forbs shrubs cars no bark, but they're going to go grass first and they're yeah. what they're going to do is is they're going to work and then eat what they have to and save mm -hmm. food as they're going through so they're they're also opportunists. If that pinon shows up, juniper berries show up, yeah. acorns show acorns, up, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but if I could tell you anything about elk, man, they are they're so smart in that they never eat themselves out of future food. Mm -hmm. So if and instead of being in their winter areas right away, you know, as you're going into that late season, they're going to be in that transition area. They're going to be up in those other areas where they can dig through a little bit of that snow and stuff and, and get some to the grasses. They're going to eat aspen off there. They're going to, um, they're going to eat some of that conifer, even though that they, that's not their, their, of choice right yeah. uh and then they're going to work down to make sure that they have good feed in winter so um mushrooms man i remember one year we had mushrooms growing everywhere we did and they were tearing them up yeah big time every time you'd see mushrooms around you'd see elk droppings and fresh stuff like you know they've been all over those mushrooms right like a rat on a cheeto man i mean it was crazy and the burn areas are so important because everything that grows out of that burn area is loaded with nutrition and it's tender so they love that tender that tender stuff and when you're in the high country in the rockies that's cattle country so right. you know that blue grandma and black grandma grass that's growing man they they just love to graze on it and those parks that are close to those uh high ridges where they can come down in the in the mornings and eat and then go up uh, in the mornings to, to bed and then mm -hmm. come back down in the evenings to feed those areas, find the transitions between those areas. And uh, those are going to be some areas that are, you can see them. I mean, they, they blast out of Google earth because they're so green, uh, especially in summertime and in springtime uh, pictures, you know? And if you, if you know, aspen, water, aspen, water, are, water, water, right. And aspens are those type of trees that let light through. Yeah. You know, it's it's all about the sun, and the sun creates nutrition in the grasses. Yeah. So you want to think about grasses, sedges, and rushes. And the way you determine that is grasses, you know, you can do some research on that. Uh, but, you know, grasses are hollow. Sedges have edges. You know, they yeah. kind of got those three edges on them. Rushes are round, and they're and they're they're full all the way through they all look like grass but they have some little different nutrient qualities to them and some of them are going to cure and still be good later on while some things have to be eaten now you know when when they get forbs when they get flowers and stuff like that the elk have got to get them only when they're in season so they're going to be attracted and they're going to get those when they're available and yeah. it's kind of like you, you can take a look at the field in my backyard one year it'll have white flowers everywhere Next yeah. year, there are purple flowers out there. It's like whichever seeds get germinated yeah. in that year and things yeah. work for. So they're opportunists. Alfalfa, like you said, right? Yes. You know? Uh, 100%. Yeah. 
So if I was to tell you anything, Troy, is, is when you're looking, remember, elk want to bed on those north, northeast slopes that are dark, um, and then they're going to move into feed areas from there. Like Gilbert said, look for where water sources are, especially in a dry year. Especially you in a dry year. You bet. those animals, they're yeah, going to go concentrate. Ahead. Yeah, they are. And, and from Google Earth or from Onyx, you'll also be able to see wheat pivots and winter winter grass pivots. Those areas that the elk are going to tra- travel to and from, I mean, you can catch them going to and from those pivots. And there are a lot of states that have those pivots for cattle. And the elk, elk use them. Yeah, go ahead, Gilbert. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the elk use them as, you know, that's their food. That's their going. They're going to HEB or Kroger. That's where they're going, you know. So I guess what we're trying to tell you is it's not necessarily that you have to identify the exact food that they're using, but but look at the type of area where their food can have the opportunity to grow. And if you have wet areas, if you have uh, moisture, if you have water in areas, and you're looking for, again, broken canopy in areas from areas that have those north, northeast, good dark timber. And so you can see grass and open parks. You can see those transition areas with trees, with burns. That's the type of thing that you're looking for. And burns, those burns that are three to four years old are prime time. Okay. You bet. You They're bet. prime time. All right. And you can find that out on Onyx. You can go to you Onyx can. and you can see the fire maps on that. And uh, I, I mean, and also on Google Earth, like you said, you can do the time thing so you can see it at certain times of year. You can. Okay? Yep. Uh, Troy, I hope we helped you out with that. Um, next up, Dave, David Pearson. Uh, David Pearson says, if I'm a rifle hunter, not someone I'm planning on hunting the rut with the bow, is it worth my time to learn to call with a diaphragm? Any time's worth your time to learn to call with a diaphragm, David. I can tell you that straight up. Yeah. Um, if you want to stop a bull, if you want to, you know, stop a cow. I mean, there's just so much as an elk hunter, you'll transition, uh, as well, you know, in your types of hunting. So man, you know, yes, it's worth, it's worth your time to learn how to, to uh to call elk with the diaphragm plus you get to drive all your neighbors and dogs crazy (laughs) and your wife probably crazier so yes get one you'll have fun with it (laughs) uh so my answer to you david is yes not just yes but heck yes man because uh it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it right like a good handgun (laughs) and uh you know, I guide all the way through the rifle season, and man, I the other thing you can do with that is you can locate bulls, man, and that's half the battle with the rifle is is just mm-hmm. locating. And I, from man, I'm telling you, from October first until November, man, I mean, you can get those critters uh, bugling. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, they're not necessarily going to come into you, but they will respond. Uh, it, it's a super thing, uh, to have it in your pocket. Like Gilbert says, if I have a bull that's going out there and I need to get a shot, I throw it a cow call. I had a hunter that shot four times at a bull missed bull went, I cow called and stopped him missed bull went, I cow called and stopped him. It was the fourth shot that he put that bull down. I stopped that bull four times with a cow call. 
And you know, Ross was telling me that his bulls were still bugling in December. Yes, sir. Well, I can go out on the slopes, especially those windblown slopes where those bulls yeah. are, especially those young bulls, and they'll be bugling out there. That's cool, right? man. So yeah. uh, it's not necessarily for the same reasons, but yeah. but they, yeah. they do bugle, man. So I think they're locating too. They locate yeah. the herd because they're herd animals. They don't, you know, no doubt the bulls single off after the rut and stuff like that and try to recoup. But look, man, they're big herd animals. They like to be or they're social. You know, well, and so, those bulls that you hear in December bugling are those small bulls that are still yeah, with the herd. Yeah, you know, they're those right. little guys. It's not yeah. the ones that have gone off and bachelored off there. So they're right. testing their voices, they're feeling their oats, they're just mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing. But the other thing it does too for you, David, is you know, you might just decide one day to give it a whirl with the bow and then get yeah. out there in the rut, right? Yeah. So, hey, you you're won't ready, be man. disappointed. Yep. You won't be disappointed. Get you some of that <laughs> rut hunt, David. Thanks for the question, brother. Yeah. Oh, and Gilbert, remember October 1st, man, or October 6th is prime rut time anyway, man. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy good, dude. Yeah. Like, whew, I mean, hot all day and all night they So Keep our you awake la- our, our last question is from Jake Kindle out of Texas, Gilbert. He says he received our Elk Bros gear list, and he says, do I really need all that gear to hunt elk? (laughs) Ask our Venezuelan mafia brothers. They bring it all, I promise. (laughs) So, you know what, uh, Jake, Gilbert, I went and looked at the gear, because we've had people ask for a gear list to hunt elk. Yeah, yeah, I like our gear list. Well, I like it, yeah. But the question is, do you need all that to hunt elk? And no, you don't, dude. because of your question, I actually went and redid our gear list. And what I did was I put in black bold and italics the things that I think you have to have to oh, be yeah. out there and hunt out. And essentials, right? Yeah, the essentials. And you know what? I think when you do something like that, it has knocked out probably 75% of our list because. <laughs> Top in the list, Gilbert, of the essentials was toilet paper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of where it fell. <laughs> and a pillow. <laughs> well, I can, you know, I made a pillow out of my out of my top for years. You know, I'd uh-huh. throw my bag in there and sleep on that. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, you got to have a water container of some kind, no yeah. Um, yeah. A, a sleeping bag or blanket, something to sleep in. You got to have your weapon, your, and, uh, uh, you got to have, of course, your license and tags. Um, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I think a, a GPS or or cell phone with GPS on it is is a have to item. Um, uh, a bic lighter in case something happens. A rain poncho, paracord, uh, your a shirt, pants, a jacket, and a rain yeah. poncho. I yeah. didn't even say camo. And I I hunted in tennis shoes for years. So, Mm -hmm. um, look, uh, most of you guys, man, if you already hunt, you already have the gear to hunt elk. Um, there's, there's plenty of stuff that you can do that's going to make life easier for you and stuff, but uh, that's not necessarily things that you have to have. We gave a list that, um, if you're going to be camping with a vehicle, yeah. yeah, you know, things, I mean, Y'all, I'm 58 now. I've been at this for a long time, and so I've gathered up all this stuff over the years, and and I've tried to make myself a little bit more comfortable because I tell you what, sleep gets to be critical when you're out there. 
you know. And, Especially uh, if you knock down four or five bulls in five or six days, yeah. man. It, it sleep is paramount. Well, <laughs> we didn't get much of it. <laughs> well, my my wife watches when I load my vehicle now versus back in the day, yeah. and she's like. Y'all ain't suffering anymore. <laughs> mm. well, we have evolved. I will say that for sure. So uh, do you need all that gear to hunt out? No. Um, if you want me to send a, a new gear list, any of you listeners out there would like to see our gear list, uh, just uh, just request it. Send it to joe at elkbros.com or info at elkbros.com. Man, Joe another unbelievable show but just like you stated earlier if you like what we're doing guys please subscribe rate and review right if you have to go to apple podcast or itunes to review us you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com and if you have any questions that we'd like to view please send your questions to info at elkbros.com there you go Another great show, Joe. Can't wait for next week's show. Happy New Year to everybody out there. As I always say, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunt. You betcha, guys. Continue to take care of each other. Peace, peace. Peace. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.